Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert today here with my most circumferential and vertical co-host at the same time, Dr. Millicent Ravello. Good evening. <laughs> did you know you could be circumferential and vertical at the and same vertical. time? And vertical. I did not because I've always been rather vertically challenged. Mm. Um, <laughs> I didn't That's realize true. that was an option for me. You could be circumferential. I am circumferential. Well, and I am not a fan of the circumferential periareal or mastopexy, which is what we're talking about today. And I am so excited to be talking about this because as I think we all are, we get very frustrated by this topic and we just need to clear the air about what is and what is not possible with mastopexies, with breast lifts, because this is a tough one. It's really tough because usually what the patients want is not what they need. If by the end of this podcast, we're throwing things and it's like smashing furniture, everybody just needs to forgive yeah. us because it is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> we get very, this is one of those topics that we just go, no, that can't happen. That's no. not possible. No, not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing and it's not going to happen. But I get it. I sympathize because what we're talking about are the scars on a breast. And this is for patients that come in for a breast lift. Um, either with or without an augmentation or an implant at the same time. Yeah, and that that's the thing. It's like there are a lot of ways to make a beautiful breast. And some of the techniques that are popular because they're certainly marketed that way are not exactly effective at making beautiful breasts. No, they are not. And the the issue always comes down to the scars because... Nobody wants to have a scar on the breast, obviously. No, definitely not. But there is really no good way of lifting breast tissue, of raising a nipple from its position down on the chest to a higher position on the chest, other than by making a scar. And when we're talking about lifting a breast, and this is whether you are doing it on its own or whether you are doing it with fat grafting or whether you're doing it with an implant. If you are talking about lifting a breast, there are really three ways or three surgical techniques or scar patterns that you can do. One is called the periareolar, sometimes referred to as a donut lift. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like you, that one. You could also... We do it. But reluctantly, we and we're like going to talk about why, why and when. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. There's four. Because before you get to the donut, there's a crescent lift. Boo. Big Can I boo. that one even more? Yeah, that's a big boo. I know, but we, uh, I, wind up, like, I wind up doing these things. And, and then the patients are like, oh, I don't like the scar. I don't like doing it. I'm like, Save it. Yeah, Save it. We're going right, to right, get to right, it. Right. Let me do my I spiel. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, I'm not going to throw it. So number one, crescent. Number two, perioreolar or donut. Number three is called a vertical. Vertical in- is... Yay. You like the vertical. <laughs> vertical is an incision that goes around the areola and down the center of the breast. So the otherwise scar. called a lollipop scar because that's what it looks like. Um, or number four, uh, I guess we could call it wise pattern or anchor or depending on the length of it, an owl with feet, I've heard it described as. <laughs> if you look at like the, those are some big feet the, if you're going all the way you across. Look at the I little feet. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's the incision around the areola, down the center like the lollipop, and then under the width of the breast. So In the w- fold. In the fold. And... Honestly, the difference between a vertical and an anchor pattern 
is really not that big a deal because you're never going to see the scar under the breast. It's not a big deal at all. That scar, though, is sometimes necessary if you have a very large or very droopy breast. You need that extra incision to get all the extra stuff out. But in terms of the overall aesthetic, it doesn't really change anything because it's not a scar that you're actually going to see. It's true. And the the vertical component is the is the, is the objectionable part to the patient and it's also the key for us to make a beautiful to make breast. a beautiful breast so, so it's the- like kind of a conundrum but let's go back let's start at the beginning because let's go back to this crescent incision Do we so have to? Th- th- <laughs> i wish we did not i just saw a patient <laughs> last week who had a crescent incision mastopexy and she now hates her scar because here's why a crescent is exactly like it sounds you're basically just removing a little bit of skin at the top part of the areola from like nine o'clock to three o'clock and so the idea is that you're pulling up the areola just a little bit a lot of times it's used in combination like if you have one nipple that sits maybe a little bit lower than the other side yes and so you just want to like like pull up one side a little bit this would be an option. The problem is with how the areola heals. The areola is the thinnest, most stretchy skin on your breast. And when it scars, it stretches. And if you only have a scar sitting on the top part of the areola, when it heals and it stretches, your areola has now gone from a circle to an oval that's long and it looks like it's stretched out. And it is not a cute shape. It's not cute at all. Boo. I'm telling you, I'm going to boo that technique. That is, that is, I've, no, it's, it is awful. I hate that one. I wind up doing it though because like you said, in a, in a little like augmentation where there's a little discrepancy, like the, the nipple areolar complexes are at like 21 centimeters on one side and like 22 and a half on the other. It's like, it sounds like it makes it, just pull it up a it little does. bit. And by the way, it works. So it, it does work. It works, but it leaves not, kind not of a awesome. funny shaped areola. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. It depends um, how aggressive how you are. How much you have to lift it. And the, if you need to lift a lot, then you shouldn't do then that Then you shouldn't technique. do it. The other option, if you're just trying to lift it a little bit, which is what I sort of lean towards, I'm like, look, I only have to go up like a centimeter. Um, but I would rather just make an incision all the way around the yes. areola and lift it up as a unit as opposed to just trying to stretch out the top half. Because now, even though the incision goes all the way around, when it heals and when it scars, it heals concentrically in a circle. It doesn't stretch out into some weird shape. That's probably the only time I would actually endorse doing a peri or lift. If you have one side that's a little asymmetric or if you really only have to move that areola up by like a centimeter or a centimeter and a half at most. Um, because other than that, it's not really a good lifting technique. It's a good kind of like eh, symmetrizing technique. Yeah. So I know why I hate the periareolar. Why do you hate the periareolar so much? The scars. The scars yeah, are scars. never great. They just aren't. They're always like you, you wind up taking. So, by the way, there's a hilarious episode of Tyra Banks that I'm on where the producers tried to use fruit. 
to demonstrate what a periarial or mastopexy was <laughs> just as a train wreck. Like, no matter what they did, I was like, nope, that's not it. Nope, and, that's not And so ultimately, Tyra and I were like, what What are you guys doing? So she she does this thing where she's, like, showing, like, an orange, and then she has, like, a kiwi on top of it. And she's like, so you're taking this orange and trying to make it a kiwi. I was like, yeah, that's not quite the idea, <laughs> but it kind of is because you're taking an incision that's the size of, say, a grapefruit because you'd have to take all that skin out from around the kiwi and then you have to take that grapefruit sized circle and squeeze it down around the kiwi sized circle to make it a normal size to realize right and that's what the producers were trying to get at was that you have to take a big circle to make it small and so the scars you somewhere that gap of that giant circle being made to a small circle is going to make crinkle cut potato chip style scars right it 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 puckers all the way around all the way around and so that's why it's i mean this technique is not supposed to be used for anything more more than a tiny lift a centimeter a centimeter centimeter and a half when you try and do more than that again this is a complete concentric circle so if you have to get that nipple to go from 26 centimeters to 21 centimeters that's a five centimeter difference well you have to take five centimeters above the nipple and five centimeters below it because you want it to heal as a circle you can't make it an oval we just discussed that so now you have a 10 centimeter diameter excision of skin that you are now trying to close down to a four centimeter diameter and so you can imagine any of our seam Stresses out there, how that's going to pucker and pleat the skin as it's healed. So that is where the scarring can get really ugly because those little puckers all turn into hard, thick areas of scar tissue. And the other problem when you're trying, this is where you're kind of getting into some geometry here, when you're trying to make a breast, which is sort of um, a spherical-shaped object, when you now cut out the top part of it, 10-centimeter circle out of the front, and try and squeeze it down and crunch it down into a small little incision, it flattens the breast. It goes from being a nice um, you know, spherical orb that has projection and comes out in space to being squished and pancaked and flattened because you're trying to squish all the skin into a small little incision. And that's that's the problem with the periareolar. It leaves a really bad scar at the end of the day and it flattens the breast. And most of the time, women don't want flat breasts. They want projected breasts. Right, because that flattening is for real. Oh it, oh, it is. And it just is not what a breast is supposed to look like. No. Uh, a, a flat top breast is not no, what you're looking said, for. No one ever. I <laughs> want that. <laughs> yet I wind up doing this a little and too yet, often. because patients are, they can't get over the fact that they may have to have an extra scar on the breast. And all they can think about, well, if it's just around the areola, then it's hidden, Right. Yeah, but I mean, that vertical scar is not, okay, it's not great. So let's talk about why we like the vertical scar. So why are we like, yay, vertical scars? Why are we so happy to put a scar straight down the center of the breast? It's because it projects the breast. It projects it. It cones the breast. It makes the breast the right shape. Now think about your pancake breast or your droopy breast, and imagine cutting an incision or a wedge of skin and fat right out of the center and then closing it right back up. All of a sudden, it just goes 
and it closes it and it tightens and it pushes everything up to the top. And it does make that sound when that happens. It does. It really does. It goes, whoop. And, and the whole it. room goes, ah. <laughs> it's true. I know. It's it's weird. People didn't know that breasts make sounds like that, but they do in the OR. And and it's it looks great. It looks so good. It's so much better. And yeah. if you were to, you know, that may be reason enough to get that imaging program. True. Just so I never have to do another periareolar <laughs> lift. Oh, let me show you your breast with a periareolar. <laughs> Here's your flattened pancake breast. And then... Oh, here it is with the vertical scar. Oh. <laughs> and your breasts will sing. And they will I promise. Sing. They will. They will sing to you when you, you get out of the shower and you're like, "I love my breasts," and they'll go. Oh. It is so so true. That it's vertical that scar. It is that dramatic. Is though. It is so key to getting a nice projected, beautifully shaped breast. Yes, at the cost of a scar. Downside scar. Downside scar. Scars can be bad. They can be bad. Although I will say that vertical scar, these are the problems I've seen with the vertical scar. A little bit of widening, which usually isn't too bad. And in my darker skinned um, Asian or Hispanic patients, some hyperpigmentation around the scar. Very rarely do I see it keloid or hypertrophic. It just doesn't seem to do it in that area. Well, you know I've where I've some. seen keloids? Around the areola. Yeah, I've seen that too. And that's because they're under tension. So much tension. Right. Yeah. And But I've seen the... Ver- I have a patient now that I am injecting her ripping keloids on her vertical scar. Mm. And I, I don't know why she got them. Uh, it's just... It's so weird. And, and she doesn't either. And she's young and healthy and otherwise. But... You know, and she had him done by a surgeon who's really good, and uh, just it's how she so healed. it happens. Uh, so that's the down. Da- the yes. downside is the scar. Yes, we can't scar. sit here and just say, you know, just sign up and it's going to be great. You have to know the risks of the procedures. That's why we. That's why we do this podcast yeah. for information, so that the patient can sit there and say, okay, I get it. These are the things that I, you know, but I really want to go this direction. And what are the odds? And we can give you the odds and, and tell you, but complications do happen they do the reason we're talking about them is because they happen because they definitely happen and they happen to somebody and they happen to somebody that it can totally be you and it can totally be me and it can be anybody and so you have to kind of understand like okay well i'll have to deal with that if that comes up right which is again why some people do tend to go the periareolar route but also those scars can be raised they can suck and be really awful and they can spread and it it can it can be bad and the the thing about adding the vertical limb not only does it project the breast and give it a really nice shape is it takes the tension off of that right. periareolar scar That's so if you're key. trying to lift a large amount and take away a lot of skin to lift the breast up through just a single donut scar there's a lot of tension on that closure because it's just you're asking that incision to do so much if you just offset the tension by adding an additional scar down the center all of that tension is taken off of the areola and you can usually get a little bit better closure and less tension all around on all of your scars so that is the benefit of the vertical scar again well on the shape well, yeah, the scar. I mean, the, the shape. shape. I mean, shape do, you, I mean so... do you want your breast to sing or not? That's what this comes down to. <laughs> like, I mean, if you want singing breasts, then you're going you to have to have the vertical scar. Because the vertical scar makes the shape so much nicer. It is not even, it's, it's a non-discussion point. Yes. Periareolar, no. Vertical scar, yes. yes. 
Yes. It, it's real. And that and the, the the anchor scar, the wise pattern anchor scar, owl with feet, whatever you want to call it, that that additional part at the in the inframammary fold is sort of irrelevant. It it really is. It's done when necessary to, you know, take away extra skin and tissue. Usually when you really have a large breast or a really low sitting breast, you need to offload all yeah, of that lower stuff on the breast. And the the downside of having the the bigger scar is that not uncommonly there's a little bit of wound breakdown at that T-junction. So where your vertical scar meets the horizontal, that's called the T-junction. Around week two or three, you may have a little bit of a wound healing issue, but it's it's minor. You know, a couple of weeks of some antibiotic ointment on that little area and it heals. And you know what? No one even sees it because the breast sits over it. Like you, it might, it could be a three centimeter incision and no one would see it. Yep. Like those things, they just give it a little bit of time and they heal. And, and it, these are all the factors that allow you to make a really beautiful breast. And, and so that's why, you know, I, I, I guess, I don't know how I get talked into doing periareola or so often. I don't know, but you do a decent amount of them. I, I, we just talked about this. You're too nice. You're too nice. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> that no, but it's like, uh, you know. So here's a question for someone who does a lot of periareolar lifts. What, now we're getting a little technical, but what is your closure procedure of choice in terms of your sutures? So I use, so I used to use all long acting absorbables like PDS and that just made too much thick scar because they hung around too long. So now what I do is I do some long acting uh, PDS sutures for the deepest layers some, not a lot. Mostly it's, it's uh, monochrome, which for Tracy in Wisconsin goes away in about two to three weeks. The, um, the, I don't use a permanent suture around the areola. I don't do the Gore-Tex suture or anything like that. I think that that ultimately winds up getting taken out, and I'm not sure that it prevents any stretching. Uh, but I do use a PDS to go around to do the uh, periareolar subcuticular hmm. stage. Okay. Which I don't think you need to. Um, if it's under tension, I do. And if it's not under a lot of tension, if it's a small little lift, I'll use uh, monocrawl. But it. I don't use permanence. I don't use pullouts. I don't over, I don't, you know, baseball stitch <laughs> it, you know, on the outside, yeah. which one of my very, very good friends who does a lot of breasts does. 3 nylon all the way around. I know that's the Lionel Richie suture. <laughs> The three oh nine nine. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, um, we try not to do that on a breast. Yeah. I'm a fan of the permanent. Um Really? Do you use the Gore Tex? I don't use Gore Tex. I used to use Gore Tex, um, but it just I had problems with some of them coming through the skin sure. or popping out and I just didn't want to deal with it. So I, I don't use the Gore Tex. Gore Tex is a kind of a th- it's it's a big suture. It's a real thick suture. Um they make jackets out of it. Basically. You know. <laughs> but I like the permanent because I think that it prevents the spreading of the areola. So as we talked about, the areola is thin, elastic. Do you use proline? Or? I use proline. Um, so I just do a, um, a whatchamacallit? <laughs> running subcuticular proline? No, not a running subcuticular. Um, oh, I'm totally blanking on the name of how I do it. It's not the mattress. wagon wheel. It's not the mattress. It's a purse string. Duh, oh, purse purses, Ravello, it's your thing. Um, purses. So, 
So you do a purse string. I do a purse string suture. around the outer circumference. Of, and that's staying in, or you can remove in. it. Stays in. So I do a purse string okay. on the outer circumference of the areola. I cinch it down to the size that I want it to be, yep. and then that's it. And then I just do a, a superficial running subcuticular just to bring the edges of the two circles together. And that works. That, that seems to prevent the spreading of the areola. And because it is a proline, um, I think I use a 2-0 proline, it just doesn't seem to... Yeah, yeah 2-0. That's, that's legit. It's probably a 3 It's probably yeah, a 3-0 proline. 2 is too thick. It's the 3 proline. It doesn't... It doesn't, I haven't had any problems with it coming through the skin. Although one time I did take a patient back and I had done that on her. I did a 3-0 proline and I had to take her back for some other reason to swap out an implant or to do something. And I didn't reclose the proline suture. I was like, oh, it's been like a year. I don't need to retighten this proline. So I, I just kind of cut it and closed it with Monocro. And guess what? That areola went and now no it's like way. twice the size of the opposite wow. one. That Maybe held I'll try it. that then. Like a yeah. deep proline. I'll try it. That, that sounds like a good idea. That's That wouldn't... That doesn't prevent me from doing everything else the way I do it, and it might be a good support for the for the deep tissue. For all those periareolars that you're doing. I'm going to try not to do any of those again <laughs> if I can help it. Um, all right. Well, that sounds good. I like it. Um, speaking of um, 3.0 nylon, um, so yesterday we were fixing a hernia. Mm-hmm. You'll like this as a good little aside. Mm-hmm. So we're fixing a hernia, and... Uh, and we're talking. I I think I said something like, "Oh, I'll take a, a, a an O proline," and the nurse goes six uh, O proline. I was like, "Yeah, no, I'll take a six O proline for the for the hernia repair." Now for for Tracy in Wisconsin, a six O proline, you can't see it. It's no. so fine. We use Unless it for you like really look. I use it to close the columella of the, and yeah. use it for eyelids. And so I go, no, an O proline. And then so I started, of course, making jokes because it was funny. And I started going like, oh, yeah, it's just a very dainty. <laughs> it's a dainty little, <laughs> very umbilical hernia. Just give me a 6-0 proline. A 6-0 proline. Oh, let's just whip that up with a little 6-0 <laughs> proline. This is not a joke. So we go to close the, finally the hernia is isolated and we're working in way with, uh, you know, doing, getting it all set up. And I was like, all right, give me the stitch. What do you think they handed me? A 6 0 proline. <laughs> a 6 I swear to God. I was like, didn't you guys get that was a joke? <laughs> I can't close this with a 6 0 proline. <laughs> it was hilarious. You know the only people who thinks that this is hilarious? Us. Us. And our <laughs> fellow plastic like, surgeons. Everyone else is like, you guys are, are lame. You guys are dorks. <laughs> you guys don't really so understand what a joke is, do you? <laughs> but I will tell you this. On one of my favorite par- podcasts, Smartless, Mike Myers was a guest uh, just recently. And he said that one thing that he really loves are running jokes. And that is totally like our OR and <laughs> the our OR whole is practice. our OR is one. It is a running, running joke. joke. <laughs> like there are running jokes. Go, and he's he was telling the story about he and Dana Carvey doing like the Beatles being totally filthy and like talking about like nasty stuff together. And and so like anytime they want to get it started, like he said, they'll like finish a skit. They'll, the audience will be applauding. They'll be on stage, and and Dana Carvey will just break into like the George like the the John Lennon like. This one time when I was in Liverpool, like, and he will just lose it. Like, he'll go from like, you know, loving the moment to just like crack because the they just they do this joke going, going on. Yeah. Like, and he says, "I love running jokes." And and I was like, you know, 
So do we. That's kind of our thing. We love a good running joke. So I think the 6.0 proline for the hernia repair That's now has now entered... I mean, like the 3.0 nylon, you know, it's like, yeah, the Lionel Richie, it's just, we, it's fun. You know, you have to have those things that keep your, you know, your, your kind of the fun aspect of what we're doing. And we, I mean, I love what we do. It's really fun. And, you know, we pay attention to every little detail. So when somebody says, here's your 6.0 proline to fix the hernia, I'm like, uh, that was a joke, by the way, (laughs) in case anybody didn't know, but I was like, oh, thank you. Perfect. That's what I needed. Well, that's it. I think uh, we kind of hit it on all aspects of these periarial or mastopexies, which I will try to do less of. How can yeah. I do less of them, though? It's got to be mean. I just got. It's got to say no. <laughs> just say no to the periarealers. Do I have to be mean? <laughs> you do. I'm not mean that way, though. Okay, I'll tell you my story about the one time I actually did do a periarealer on purpose. Sure. I mean, they're always on purpose, but when I intentionally was <laughs> like, you like said, like, I'm going to do this, this. is what this I'm going to do. Idea. And I do not hate this idea is for a lady that came in. She needed a lift, but she wanted implants because she had previously had implants. And without them, she was very deflated. And so she's like, I know I need implants, but I don't want to look like I have implants in. I want to have a very natural look, but I don't want to actually look natural. I want to have like a natural B cup. <laughs> the natural B cup with implants mm. really hard because implants just aren't made to look like natural B cup breasts. Well, I guess they do make some pretty flat ones, but those just aren't yeah, that yeah, cute. Yeah, no. But she needed a lift because her nipples were kind of hanging low. So I did intentionally do a peri areolar lift on her because it flattened the breast. And that's what she wanted. And that's what she wanted. I tried to do a vertical and that pushed the breast up nice and high and it had this pretty superior <laughs> pole fullness. And I was like, oh, it's so pretty. She's going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> So you got to give the people what they want. We went back to the periorealer and it flattened the breast and it kind of made it a little pancakey, but natural and swingy. And she loved it. There you go. She loved it. So, so that it does have a purpose. Is when it, I would intentionally use a periorealer. I will be kicking and screaming, but I will do it. Well, I think you, there you have it. You've got all the options. So uh, for our listeners. Do not be disappointed when we say you really need to have that vertical mastopexy. You need that vertical limb. Otherwise, you will not have the breast that you're looking for. Unless you do want them flat, in which case you will. (laughs) That's right. There you go. Well, so this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210 in the flats of Beverly Hills. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, RavelloPlasticSurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Oh.